think about it. If you spend a long time not really loving yourself, then you, you're actually keeping that command. You're loving others just as well or not as well as you love yourself. And so if you're constantly, if your internal dialogue is tearing yourself down, tearing your identity down, there's I'm worthless. You know, this is how we, this is how we know the difference between condemnation and being attacked versus conviction is you, you suck, Tracy, versus, you know what you did kind of sucked. There's a huge difference. And for so many of us, our whole life, we look at everything we've done and we say, and we suck because of that. It unfortunately helps us fulfill that commandment of love others like you love yourself. Yeah, well, I see myself as kind of a dirtbag and I look at all the things I've done in my life and that equals who I am. Nope, it actually doesn't. Not according to God. He doesn't see us that way. Isn't that crazy? Episode R038 features Caesar Kalinowski. Caesar is an author and a fellow podcaster. And he teaches Christians how to live a life of discipleship and community. He and his family live their faith well outside the boundaries of the buildings that we call churches. And he invites all he encounters to become friends and part of his extended family, someone to just do life with. In this episode, Caesar and I talk about what it means to live intentionally with other people as Jesus did. We talk about journaling, and at the end, Caesar talks about, gosh, how easy it is to let gossip wreck relationships, and we talk about what we can do to know gossip when we hear it, and how to put the kibosh on those conversations without being a jerk. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Hey, Caesar, thanks for inviting us into your life today. I really appreciate you hanging out with us a little bit. Are you kidding? This is going to be so fun. I'm so really glad to do this. It's not been a whole long time that we've had this on the books, but a long enough that I could savor it, Tracy, and I could think, ah, oh, this is going to be fun time to be together. Well, and you're a fellow podcaster, and I knew from the moment that I listened to a couple of episodes of Life School that I just had to have you on that that my folks are going to be really interested in a lot of different topics and there's a lot of places we could go with this, my brother. So let's just start with what's your life like today? Today, this actual day. Sure. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to be real in the moment. So today, I've already recorded an episode of a podcast and it's morning, so I'm feeling pretty good about my production level productivity. Um, it's cloudy. Uh, I live on the West Coast, and so this should burn off and get sunny today. I feel really good. I feel pretty hopeful about the day and about life, and it's technically a day off, so I get to do fun things on this day. It's Friday when we're recording this, and um, yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good about life and in general uh, and uh, pretty hopeful <laughs> that the day is going to go well. How about you? Well, it feels like a November day in Arkansas, even though we're still mm -hmm. mid-October. We're getting a lot of rain, and it's chilly, and it's comfort food weather. And Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I was born in November, and so I love days like this. Is that how it works, if you're born in a certain month and you just have a propensity to love it? 
I'm pretty sure it is. I read that. No, I didn't. I just made that up. Now, see, I'm thinking I was born in May. I'm thinking like, oh, like I do love spring. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now, okay, so the kind of life you lead is that on your days off, you're recording podcasts with other people. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me what your life's work is built around, your family, stuff like that. So I, I, if I was to tell you my life story, Tracy, it would take, with even like a modicum of like two minutes per click or page turn, it would take so long. I have been a serial entrepreneur for very, very many years. I'm an old guy and I, my wife and I, I think are on like business 17 or 18, but our faith has been a very big part of our life. And we, we've just sort of never separated it. We don't kind of live like our faith over here and then our our personal life over here with the kids and then our business life over here. Uh, we raised our kids like right there in the business with us. All the businesses, the kids were right in tow, setting up stuff, tearing down things, washing dishes when we owned food service places, uh, stacking boxes, shipping. Th- I mean, the kids just grew up having one life where our sort of our faith and our business and our family life, it was all one thing. And it kind of led us to also then treat everybody like family. Like we just see people like family. And I I think that's, there's some overarching reality to that. For those of us who believe in a God who created things, uh, I think it says there in his Bible or even in the Hebrew scriptures that like he sees us all as his offspring. And so we just decided a long time ago, hey, we're going to just treat people like that. And so it's kind of all integrated. So even on a day off to get to talk to awesome people and maybe record an episode of the podcast or whatever, and later on, maybe be with some friends or, you know, yesterday morning up early, helping someone pack a truck that's moving away from the community, which breaks my heart, but I love her to death. So here we go. It's kind of all one day. <laughs> it's wow. Kind of, it's not necessarily the most productive in a sense of checking boxes because it's all over the place, but it's one life, you know, one life to live kind of thing. So, so in your world, relationships matter. Yeah, it's the conduit, it's the currency. We we say that the kingdom of God is expanding at the speed of relationships. And uh, I really believe it's true. Describe that for me a little bit. The kingdom of God? Yeah, and and how we expand it through relationships. Uh riff off that. Talk to me about that a little bit. Okay. There again, that's a phrase that you know, it's you're not going to see showing up on in Fallon or the Today Show these days, the kingdom of God, but it, it comes out of Hebrew scriptures. It comes out of a Christian Bible. And I think there's two minimum requirements for a kingdom to exist, uh, a king, and then those who live in his kingdom and submit to his rule and reign. Otherwise, you know, you can say I'm a king, but no one follows me. No one listens to what I say. Well, probably not a king. So there's two minimum requirements. My understanding of the kingdom of God is the way the world actually runs. And very often I I run counter to it and then I get ticked off. I get pissed off. I, I want to stab people in the back because they're not going along with my rule and reign. But I think when we get in line with, hey, this is kind of how the world was created. And there's actually a way you can walk in it and kind of actually add to it and help it expand where people are experiencing an amazing life versus maybe less than amazing. And I think that the way that expands and the way that more people experience that life where the God who created it all is actually in charge. He's the king and I'm not. And, and there's ways to start to submit to that. And I don't mean submit in a weird, icky, weird way, but like, hey, you know, if, if this works this way and I keep banging my head up against over here and just being ticked, how about I try it the way it was created to work, <laughs> you know, and I'll try listening a little more to the person who created it that way. But I think that how that expands is through relationship and trust being built. Otherwise, it sounds just it sounds technical or it sounds like folklore 
or I guess that works for you, but, but you know how it is when you walk with someone and, and you've got a lot of similarities and maybe some of the similar challenges. And if what they say lines up with what they're doing and how they treat others, it, it's a lot different than here's my checklist of ways to have a, your best life now. <laughs> or something. Oh, Caesar. See, that's, that is so true in my life. I have been taught about Jesus all my life. And it's only been the last five years or so that I've begun to understand that when I boisterously vent about someone who wronged me, that I'm harming the kingdom. And also that there are no exclusion clauses on what Jesus taught us in Matthew 27, which is love God, love other people, and oh, love other people as you love yourself. I thought there were lots of exclusion clauses. I thought that meant I didn't have to love people who didn't like me or love people who had harmed me. And so that those people, I got to go just boisterously vent about them and talk about how they'd hurt me. Yeah. And that doesn't help relationships very much, does it? No, it doesn't. And it's it's always been a little bit tricky and kind of weird and like, oh, come on, Jesus, you're kidding me, right? Where it says that that if you talk badly about someone, it's it's, it's the same as murder. And you're like, come on. Like, really? Is that like allegorically or something? And it's like, it took me, because like yourself, it, it, I grew up um, being taught about Jesus uh, not always accurately and not always in ways that uh, I think he would agree with because I've been in church since I was a fetus. But that that thing of like, okay, when you talk badly about someone, you're just as guilty of murder as someone who, you know, it's like, how could that possibly be? And I, and I think what part of what's going on there is that because God sees relationships as paramount, that's his number one concern. Do you understand who I am? And do you understand who I am clearly? And do you understand how I view you? And the relationship that I really want to have with you, do you, like, do you understand that? And like, can I can I walk with you a little bit and prove to you that I really want to have that? And so when we talk badly about someone, what it's going on is we're tearing down their identity. And I believe that we were created in God's own image to be like him. That's why it's awesome to hang out with him if, if you trust him. But if you don't, it's not so awesome. I was telling a friend the other day, so my kids are grown and we're very, very close we're just, we're very close. We're good friends. My kids are like besties. And uh, I was telling somebody, you know, what's awesome is hanging out with three adults that not only like you, but they like what you like. So like, they like the same food and we like the same movies and like we, our travel list is pretty similar. And by the way, we've been to a lot of the same places together because I raised them. And (laughs) it's like awesome to like hang out with someone who knows you and likes what you like. And that's what we get to have with God because God sees a bit of himself in us, right? Because we were created that way. And so when we talk badly and tear other people down, even if they've legitimately hurt us, but we're not coming around the other side. So we're tearing down their identity. It says, Jesus says, well, it's just like you've murdered them. And what you've done is you've murdered them in someone else's eyes. So like, you know, we get off this call and I'm talking to somebody else like, yeah, I just recorded this podcast with uh, Tracy. How'd it go? Eh, you know, Tracy, blah, 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 blah. And I just murdered you in their eyes. Mm. They're never going to listen to this show. And so it's like when you tear someone's identity down, in other words, their value, who, who they are, not what they did, but who they are, it really is like you've murdered them in your own heart and in theirs and in, 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 in others. And, um. Yeah, I don't I don't think that that's not expanding God's rule and reign, his kingdom, where he wants 
he wants us to walk with each other and get along and not fight and hide and blame and all the things that we do, which is nothing new, right? Yeah. And you know what's amazing? I, I am not perfect at this. Just this conversation has helped me see, oh my gosh, well, maybe that's that's murdering someone else's reputation and that and that. But I've gotten a lot more cognizant about this over the past four or five years. And here's the thing. I didn't make the change because I was afraid of being punished in eternity. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just didn't. I, I made the change because I quit being so mad at myself. I quit being so mad at other people. And I thought, you know, like you talked about earlier, well, my way sure hasn't worked. So I'm just going to try this. And so what's amazing is that now that I'm less apt to murder someone else's reputation, I'm finding I can let go of slights. Like I'm not carrying this anger around. It's sort of slowly melting away. And I don't, I don't walk around outraged all the time, like, you know, Facebook vomiting and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to this love others as you love yourself thing. Think about it. If you spend a long time not really loving yourself, then you, you're actually keeping that command. You're loving others just as well or not as well as you love yourself. And so if you're constantly, if your internal dialogue is tearing yourself down, tearing your identity down, there's I'm worthless. You know, this is how we, this is how we know the difference between condemnation and being attacked versus conviction is you, you suck, Tracy, versus you know what you did kind of sucked. There's a huge difference. And for so many of us, our whole life, we look at everything we've done and we say, and we suck because of that. And that's due to be stuff. That's that what you do equals who you be, who you are. And it's just back ass words and it doesn't work and it only leads to death in our hearts. But you know what? It, it unfortunately helps us fulfill that commandment of love others like you love yourself. Yeah, well, I see myself as kind of a dirt bag and I look at all the things I've done in my life and that equals who I am. Nope, it actually doesn't. Not according to God. He doesn't see us that way. What you do does not equal who you are. Isn't that crazy? Like, and yeah. I, if yeah. even for people listening to go like, well, I don't really believe in a, a God necessarily or higher power or maybe not in the same way you do. And I go, okay, you're, you are, we're all where we are, but at least, at least please come away. Think believing this, what you do does not equal who you are. Your value, your intrinsic identity and value is not tied to your actions. And if we can start believing that first for ourselves, Tracy, I think then we can start to then let a little rope out and a little air out and say, oh, I can let other people have the room to also believe that. And I don't have to then see their actions, even when they're turned against me in ways I don't prefer. Uh, that doesn't make, that doesn't change my value. And you know what? It doesn't really change theirs either. It's not who they are. It's what they did. And it was crappy. <laughs> but Maybe it's crappy from my perspective, but it, it just starts to change. That's been my experience. And so my next question is, is like, how did you begin to figure this out? Did you read it in a book? Did you read it in seminary? Did you, did, did God strike you while you were reading scripture or, or did you do it by trial and error? How, how on earth did you come to this understanding well, I wish I could say it was like this giant epiphany walking along a, you know, sparkling lakeside, you know, afternoon, some, you know, on Golden Pond kind of moment. But 
but it really has been through relationships that we've come to understand and see God this way, the kingdom of God, who he is, what he thinks is true of us. <laughs> it's come through relationships and not all successful relationships. You know, I wish I could say I don't have any failed relationships. That That's just not true. This is not true, but I think you can be a learner and learn from both like what failed, why, like who contributed what to that failure. Let's start with myself in the mirror. Um, And I think over time, and I I think too, that I probably was raised, like I said, in the church, not seeing it this way, Tracy. I really saw more like what you do equals who you are. And so what Christianity was about growing up was behavioral modification and sin management and just about everything was sin, by the way. And all of it was like what you do if you're a Christian until you die and go to heaven or Jesus mm-hmm. gets back. And it's like, oh, but then all of a sudden we start looking at the book differently. And then I got exposed to the Bible as a story. By the way, it is one. I never knew it growing up. It was like it was a million little stories that seemed very right. disconnected and out of order. And that's just because of how they've assembled uh, you know, the Bibles, but, but you actually can read through it chronologically or listen through it chronologically as a story. And all of a sudden I started seeing a whole lot of dots connecting. Mm. Oh, this is how amazing and awesome. And I, I believe it's true. You know, uh, this God is, and he created humans in his image to be like him. And then it says he walked with him in the cool of the day. Like, Oh, see that that's beautiful. Now, they also went off and did things to try to build their own kingdoms and, and and create a self apart from God. And that's what the Bible would then label as sin. Like, hey, you trying to be king in a world you didn't get to, you didn't create. <laughs> and we all do it. And we all do it. I, oh, do, yeah. I do it all day long. Like I'm I'm the king of my castle, you know, and everybody better get in line kind of thing. It's like, well, but, but maybe what does the actual king think? So that's that's the difference. And once I start seeing like, oh, wait a minute, this is who God is. And this is what he's sort of done to prove this, like in the Bible, but you know, some people don't believe that, but what about in your own life? Like people would say like, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible's true. Okay. But are you seeing what I'm saying is true about him in like your own experience? Yeah, actually. And, and, and how about in our life? You hang out with our family a bunch. You actually do see that. Okay. Then, then wouldn't it be interesting to know what God thinks of you? Like, what's he say to be true of you? That's an identity sort of thing. And that leads to then then how do I get to live in light of that? Not how are you supposed to live? There again, I was raised in a church where the gospel was do this, don't do that. Stop this, start that. You should do this, you shouldn't do that. And we say there's no should in the good news of the gospel, of God's gospel. There's no should in that. There's no there's no should or shouldn't. So stop shooting all over everybody. Just you get to, like in light of what's true of you and how God sees you, you get to live a certain way. But you know what? You might choose not to still. Mm. and you're loved the same way. <laughs> you're still loved exactly the same. That's the scandal. Like, what? Yeah, you get to live this way, but out of fear, you might not. Out of selfishness, you might not. Uh, out of hurt, you might kill someone else through your words or actions or, or whatever. But you know what? You get to live another way. But even if you choose not to, you're loved exactly the same by God. That's crazy, and that is scandalous. It's crazy. But that that's, so, like, where did we get to this point? The longer you soak into the that you are actually more jacked up <laughs> and broken and flawed than you ever wanted to admit, but you're actually more loved and cherished than you could have ever imagined or hoped for at the same time, now oh, that'll change you. And that'll start to change your relationships. So back to like so the, the kingdom of God, then in other words, that's how he sees the world. That's, that's, what he, that's his rule and reign and what he desires, but he doesn't remove our choice. That's why the kingdom expands at the, at the speed of relationship. Wow. 
So, Caesar, you're at this place where you're teaching others how to live in community and expand the kingdom through relationships. And you talk about how your earliest memories of faith were less about that and more about rules keeping. Tell yeah. me a little bit about what your life was like and how it got you to this point where you are and your entire family are passionate about expanding community. How, how Fill in the blanks for me. How'd that happen? You know, like we were talking a little earlier, so kind of born into the church and pretty young in life, I'd say that I actually was given faith. The, the Bible says that God actually grants faith. It's a gift. And so I think I was gifted with the faith to believe, yeah, God is in fact real. And I don't understand everything about him. If I could, if I could wrap my brain around him completely, then I'd be bigger than him. I'd be God. But, but I was given faith that he, he in fact was real and that he loved me and that he knew all my junk and, and unbelief and weirdness and selfishness. And yet he loved me enough to send his own son, Jesus, to come and rescue me from that and offer me a completely different life. And so I believed that young as a kid, but I was kind of in a system that was really much more about do to be what you do equals who you are. And so now that you're a Christian, you know, how, you know, how, you know, what a Christian must do is you must do these things. You got to go to church. You got to read your Bible every day. You got to take some notes. You got to answer a bunch of questions. You got to go midweek. And what you don't do is now here's a long list. Better get a new pen and pad for this one. And it was this huge don't do list. And somehow like I said before, that was like that. That's what the Christian life was kind of all about. It was it was behavioral modification, sin management, as we waited to hit the eject button and get the hell off this planet. You know, <laughs> instead of what it actually says in there, if we just would read the thing, is like, no, the kingdom of God is now. Jesus said I, he came bringing it, and which means like you now get to live under his rule and reign, and you you can you can actually. I'm going to help. I'm going to I'm going to give you a different life that, that allows you to choose his ways over yours and believe that he loves you regardless of of how that goes and how well you quote unquote pull it off. And, and we started realizing though, that the life that Jesus lived, it wasn't set like on a weekly schedule of like sit in these rows in silence and take notes and then go work real hard at your behavior. We just started watching his life and, and looking at, ah, oh, he just hung out with people all the time. And it was kind of the religious like higher ups, people in charge that kind of got a chip with him, got ticked off. In fact, to the point of wanting to kill him. But the people who were kind of normal or, or broken or were making really bad choices, but somehow still felt a draw to God and wanted to know him somehow, that's who Jesus hung out with. And that's who he kind of showed the way and started to invest his life in. Oddly enough, not in everybody. You know, you have these crazy, according to the you know history books and the Bible, like just crazy crowds followed this guy all over the place. And he was healing people and he was feeding people like miraculously and all. But it says he kind of gave most of his time to just a dozen people. And I can remember years ago, Tracy, when, um, cause I ended up being a pastor and working at a church for, for, for many years. And, but before I was, I was super involved in church and all of that life. And, and I was traveling the world doing what we call missions work at times. And I would go overseas and I would be with people who were believers, who were Christians who believed many of the same things we believed, but boy, they practiced it in some pretty different ways. And like, they saw themselves as the church, not the building or the program, which is exactly what the Bible again says, like crazy, just read that thing. And, uh, <laughs> and then it was amazing to live with them and they had nothing. Like I was in war zones and where there's persecution going on in the world and crazy natural disasters. And sometimes all three, and it rocked me to the core. And whenever I was on these trips, I felt very strongly led to read the book of Acts in the Bible, which is a book that was written by one of 
sort of early church people who was writing like, here's how we're trying to live like Jesus lived. And he's trying to help people do that. The guy by the name of the apostle Paul. And they, it was a lot about his story. It was not written by him, but it, it was about him and a lot of what he did and a lot of what the disciples did. And, and I was like, man, I want to live just like that. But they didn't have church services and they didn't, they, they didn't seem all locked up with their to do and don't do lists. And it was way more about like, what's dad say? Like, what's God say? And, and, and how do we get to live that way? And so we, about 2004, my wife and I and the kids, we all moved out to the West Coast. And there was a handful of other friends who had kind of gotten to the same point. We're like, you know, we're going to do our best to live this out, like in our neighborhood, kind of like a missionary would be to another country. But we're going to do it like right here in the States, <laughs> you know, in Tacoma, Washington. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know how we're going to do any of this. And we're not going to go out and try to tell people what they should do, but we're going to try to live the life that we see Jesus actually lived. And could you, do you get to do that? Like, do, do we get to, or do we still have to like make sure we propagate a system of some sort? And it turns out you get to, <laughs> it turns out you get to. And so we started living very, very differently, a very open home, trying to meet people's needs, see people as family, certainly imperfectly. I don't, I'm, I, this starts to sound all panaceic, like, oh my God, these people are so, oh, no, we're, we're, <laughs> no, we're pretty normal. We're pretty normal. And it, 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 you know, and we get selfish and weird and tired and all that stuff too. What does an open home mean? What, what do you mean by that? Well, like the people that we were doing life with and doing life in community, both people who believe what we believe and people who didn't, but we're all walk, walking on this journey to try to get to know who God is and what he's like and what he says is true of us. So then we'd know, you know, how do we get to live, right? So you you find somebody in the produce section and say, come home and have supper with me? How does that work? <laughs> well, maybe. It might have been. It starts out with neighbors and yeah, someone in the produce section, you're, all of a sudden you're having this conversation about like, you know, I don't even know how to cook an eggplant. It's like, my wife totally knows how to cook an eggplant. She'll blow your brains out with it. Like, um, you want to come over and have some eggplant tonight? I'm like, I guess, you know. <laughs> wow. We would say like, we always, our door is always open. It still is. And people say, well, that's too crazy. How do you have a life of your own? It's like, well, here's the thing. When you live free, you can be free to have your home open, but you can also be free to say, but you know, tonight I'm super tired. I'm not having anybody over, you know? So like my wife and I could be home, maybe watching a little rom-com, having a glass of wine together and, you know, someone will walk in and be like, hey, what's up there, Nick? What's going on? It's like, hey, just was uh, wondering what you guys are up to. And I, I have the freedom to both have the door open and they, they know they get to stop by because we're family. That's what you get to do with family. But we also, my wife and I also have the freedom to say, well, listen, unless it's a crazy emergency, Tina and I were just having some wine and watching this uh, rom-com, kind of hoping for a happy ending, if you know what I'm saying. And I'll check you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'll see you tomorrow. So like you both, you get to live it with freedom, both both to have an open home and treat people like family, but you also have the freedom to say, now's not a killer time. How about we grab some coffee tomorrow? And all of this being like, this is how God is with us. Can we show what God's really like? Because he's always available. But he's also running the whole world, you know. He 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 loves everything about us, but doesn't want to leave us there because some of the stuff that we're doing is not how he created us to be, and it's not a real clear picture of him or Jesus. And that's what he's trying to help us move towards: is I want to give you the life you were created to live, not the life you've created for yourself. That in many cases is pretty harmful, pretty painful, pretty ouch for you and your kids and others. And so we're trying to live lives that look like this is just what it, what it's like to live with dad. And, and we would say that's what discipleship is, to use a Christian term. Discipleship is this process of helping people move from unbelief about what's true of God and themselves to belief. Like, this is who God is, and this is what he's done, and this is what he says is now true of you. If you'll believe it. Now, if you don't, then it's not true for you. But if you have faith and you believe that's true, 
then he's going to guide you and, and, and others will as well. And, and that's what we wanted to be for people is those people that get to walk with others imperfectly for certain, but listening to God's voice and saying, hey, I think this, this is what he's like. Let's live like that. Let's, let's try to. Let's choose to. And let's be quick to forgive when we screw that up, which will be probably pretty often. And little by little, what we've begun to find out is that the kingdom of God is where you live under his rule and reign and you treat people the way he treats people. And he sees everybody as dearly loved kids. He just does. Dude. He sees people as their dear, his dearly beloved. And this corny little thing, I say it all the time, if God's got a refrigerator in heaven, your picture's up there. All your little scribble drawings and, and best efforts at stuff that aren't that great. He's crazy about them. They're all up on the refrigerator for, forever. <laughs> Caesar, this is so counterintuitive to the Jesus that I see in America, you know, the guy who's who's white and walks around with an American flag on his tunic. I mean, this is like a whole different Jesus than the one we've Americanized. Yeah. Well, in many ways it, it is, I, unfortunately, I think is true. And there again, you know, going back to the, the story, the, the, the Bible as a story, we, you get to. And I, I would say for, for those who are listening to Reboots and hearing us today and they go like, yeah, yeah, I, I kinda, I'm kind of into reading the Bible and all. Let, let me suggest you read it chronologically once because it's not assembled that way. It was more of a library assembly. But all those 66 books in there, you can actually read them chronologically. And all of a sudden, it's this crazy, amazing story. <laughs> And it's and I happen to think it's a true story. And and also remembering that there's all kinds of genres within those 66 books. So they're not all literal. Some of them are not. They're figurative and some of them are apocalyptic and they're not meant to be taken as like, really, there's going to be horns all over in, in this this dog's head. And that's what's going to no, uh, no, like that's that's you get, it's like you would never do that with anything else. You wouldn't read a fiction novel on vacation. And then go away and treat it like, oh, that's exactly what's happening in my house today. You're like, no, you're reading that was that was a Michael Crichton book. That's not real. That's like, you know. <laughs> so there's not really dinosaurs, like, you know. And so anyway. Caesar, you're right. I, I have a lot of friends who are agnostic or atheist. Me and, too. Me too. And they I know. And they talk to me a lot about especially after getting a dose of cultural Christianity on Facebook these days, right? And they'll they'll say, hey, you know, my life is more like Jesus than that person's life. And all I can say is you're exactly right. Well it may be Tracy, but that's there again from their own perspective. Here's but but I I'm agreeing with them from their perspective. Yeah, well, and maybe in you what he did, right. and maybe in the things he did. See, back to this do to be conundrum. I can do really nice things that look a lot like what Jesus did, but I can actually do them so that you'll think well of me. And then it's back to this is really all about me. Yeah. See, see you know, you know how it is, right? Like it's like I I'm getting on this. I'm gonna get on and record this podcast today with Tracy, and I really want Tracy to think I'm smart and think, you know, like well of me and like me and want to hang out with me. And and so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna give really helpful answers, not to actually help anybody, but so that Tracy thinks well of me. And I think I think there's the thing behind the thing is that to actually live like Jesus, then you live in light of who his father was and, and that he said, I only do what I hear my father. I only do the things I heard, I've seen him do. And I only say what I hear him saying. And back to like, who's in charge? Who's who's the king? Whose kingdom is this actually? And even Jesus, <laughs> who's called the king of kings, he says, yeah, but it's really dad's. It's dad's house. And so what's the thing behind the thing is our motivation for whose kingdom and who gets the glory, so to speak. 
I, I know I just threw a little bit of cold water on that. Like, but I, I agree with you completely. There are people whose lives look like they're way gentler. They're way more caring and all. And I'd say that's, we need way more of it. And, and not, but, but, and I hope that they're actually like Jesus. So they're not doing it for their own good. Ultimately (laughs) that they're doing it so that their father looks amazing. So that more people will say, Oh, if that's what God's like, then I want to get to know him. That's why Jesus came and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He's just like dad. Yeah. And that's, you know, my, my name's Caesar. You know, we didn't talk about this, but it's pretty awesome to be a Caesar in a Kalinowski. We call our family team K and I'm the third Caesar and my son's the fourth Caesar. And now my grandson is Caesar five. I, it's, oh. it's the best thing in the world. And, and Team K, what we call our family, is like the best thing to get to be a part of. Like if you get to hang out with Team K and invited to family dinner and holidays and all that, and like you're part of the crew, it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Um, but, but, but my son is a lot like me. And if you hang out with my son, and I've had people say this to me, and, and this isn't because I'm so awesome, but he'll say, Man, I'm, I'm nice to meet you, sir. Like you're Caesar three, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, your son's amazing, and I'm figuring he had to have gotten some of it from you, so it makes me want to know you. Mm. And that's that's very humbling. And my son's a great guy. He's 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 a way better guy than I am. I really, I don't say that lightly. Like you might hang out with my son, and I go like, man, I got up my game. I want to be more like this. Guy. But what mm-hmm. what's going on there is I, I want to live a life, hopefully like Jesus lived, where you go like, I want to get to know his dad because he's saying it's all about dad. He's saying I only do what I saw my father do. I only say what I, my father says to say. I, it's not about me. And uh, I know that's even countercultural to like what Christianity teaches because it's like all of our songs are about him. And it's like, he's like, Jesus' songbook is all about dad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's true. It's totally true. That. It's yeah. totally true. And, and then like this, this whole relationship with God that we're talking about, man, I get so caught up in, in treating God like a vending machine. God, answer my prayer. Uh, I, I need this and this and this and this. I want this, this, and this. I want it to stop raining. I want it to start raining. I want it to cool down. I want it I to need heat. a parking spot. Yeah. I need a really good parking spot. What? Uh, <laughs> it, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Is yeah, it? he's the genie. No. And, you know, and, and here we are in reboots. Like, So what's the biggest reboot that's occurred in my life? And has it been around substance? Has, has, has it been around bad habits? Has it been around job career changes or losses? I've had all those things, all those things in my life. The biggest reboot was, is understanding, starting to, in better ways, who God is, who dad actually is, what his son was really up to, and the fact that he came, that we'd have that exact same life. And in fact, that's what we were created to have. That's the biggest reboot. And, and starting to see, oh, if that's how God sees me, then I want to treat others that same way. And that thing behind the thing changes. It's not to look altruistic. It's not to look like a gentle person or a wise person or even generous or whatever. I want to be all those things, but so that you'll know what God's like. So that then when he says, this is what I think is true of you, you'll go, wow, if that's true of me, then there's huge implication. Yep. We get to live a very different life. If we're not trying to measure up and if we're not trying to impress people, we're not trying to prove our value. Like God is great. I have a friend that's taught me this. God is great. And so you don't have to be in control. Wow. That'll change you right there. Yeah, that's those are that's some of the biggest re that's the biggest reboot in my life. That I it's not about what I do. What I do does not equal who I am. It's about who God is and what he's done already. And if I can believe that and accept what's true and what I I really do believe Jesus did, came to do, that we might be forgiven and walk close to God again and start to now finally believe what his dad says is true of us. It's life-changing. 
and it's freedom too. It's not like this heavy load of like, well, now I got a lot to stuff. No, now you're free. Like the pressure's off. Once you kill, once you slay the do equals B monster in your life and, and you can't do it yourself. It has to be replaced by something bigger, something higher, someone higher who created you says, this is true of you. Then you can slay that. But to try to slate yourself, well, I'm going to stop do, doing good things to make people feel well of me. Then what are you going to start doing? Killing people? I mean, like, what, you know, what's next? <laughs> you need to replace, you, that has to be replaced with a greater love, with a greater relationship. So how did you come to that realization? Was it a moment, a, a series of moments? Was it a decision? How, how did that, that spiritual identity reboot happen? Uh, just too many things over time. God speaking to us, uh, seeing his His word differently, the Bible, and seeing it as a story changed me, still continues to change me more than anything. It's like, what's up with that story? Why do we have this book? And and like, if we actually look at it in order and read it in order, like, what does it say about him and what does it say about us? Um, and then in relationship, back to relationship, to people in my life who have reflected accurately who God is and what he's like and what he thinks of me when I was trying to prove myself valuable or I was trying to prove that I had worth or that I was good or I was worthy of love or all these things. And people just said, well, you know, what you did there was pretty crappy and I love you exactly the same. And they, and it was true and they did. And they said, and I only get to do that because I experienced that from God too. So I'm just kind of paying it forward. It, it's like a million little things, you know, there's that new show out called a million little things. And I'm just scratching my head with it. Like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what this is about. So even people listen to this go, this sounds amazing. Like I wish this was true. And this is my experience. Well, I, I, I can confidently say it is true and it can become your experience, but it'll be a million little things in a lot of little relationships. And so trying to find a community that believes the same, that's that's a big part of it. And that's tough to find, unfortunately, because so much of the Capital C Church is still kind of wrapped up in programming and do-to-be and performance-based spirituality. And so that's part of why, you know, you said, like, why do I do what I do? It's like, why do we travel the whole world and, and nonstop and podcast and write and put out books and all this stuff is to help people get to experience the life that I believe that they were created to live. And not because they deserve it, but just because God's that awesome. And when we live the life that he created us to live— being his image bearers, then more people are going to get to see that. And we all get caught up in this beautiful, this beautiful dance. I want to chase a rabbit trail for a minute, my brother. Do it. Talk about the the time that you have spent traveling the world and in war zones, like getting shot at and stuff. Talk to me about that. What the heck? I don't think that I know of I've ever been shot at, but I have been very close to bombs going off and been heading the other direction and things like okay, that. Okay, well, I'm the one who's been shot at. You've got the bombs. I think I'd rather get shot at. Yeah. Have you? Okay, yeah. I mean, I have friends that have. Um, no, that whole part of my life started back in, I think, around 98. And I met a guy, Kevin Turner, and uh, he had just gotten back from South Sudan. And he'd been there many times. And this was during the Civil War. It's not much different there now, though there is technically a North Sudan and South Sudan, and they, they have a peace accord. But it's horrible. It's hell on earth there. And uh, he had just gotten back from there, taking in uh, food and medical supplies and and Bibles for people. Like, here, I want to give you some hope in the midst of not having nothing. And literally being bombed, like, you know, planes coming up over the Nuba Mountains and just blowing up everything and people dying left and right as they're running. And they had spent weeks out, like, in the bush with nothing. Uh, just waiting for something to get rescued. And, and he had made it out. And I met him right after that. And um, 
he's telling me these stories and he's showing me pictures and it's, they're horrible. And I, I couldn't even imagine myself going there. And I was like, brother, do you have kids? And he's like, yeah, I got three kids. And it's like, I have three kids. And it's like, um, how do you, how do you go? And you're married, right? Yeah. Married for a long time. It's like, how, how do you go there and do that and risk your life for that? I mean, what about your own family and kids? And he's, you know, he said to me, he said, brother, if, um, if it was my kids in there and my wife in there, starving to death and being bombed and, you know, persecuted for what they believe and just the, the color of their skin and all, I'd sure hope someone would come to help. And I, and I, and I know that God wants that and he, that he wants to help. And so we're created to be like him and be in his image. So that's why we're going and helping. You should come with me. <laughs> and I was like, I, 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 that ain't happening. That ain't, uh-uh. ha- yeah. I'm like, and I remember coming home, it was one of those, you know, just you get pierced in the moment kind of things. I remember just being super sick to my stomach over it. And I remember telling my wife, Tina, about it. And she kind of thought about it for a bit and she said, well, if you're not going, I'm going. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. and I was like, what? And then this, the last little drop of chivalry in my, you know, my heart was like, no, I'll, I'll well, then I guess I'll be going, you know? <laughs> and so I, so I committed to going to South Sudan in, in a war and we were actually going and we were sneaking in from the South. You, you couldn't go in. They would not, the North had to clamp down and you couldn't take any uh, aid. They'd shut down all humanitarian aid, but people were dying and starving and, and, you know, no medical care and all that. So we actually went in from the South with the rebels. I actually, I have a pass that has my picture and name on it issued by the Sudanese people's liberation army, uh-huh. you know? And, um, and I signed up to do this, but it was, it, you know, I was saying earlier, like, wow, that looks a lot like Jesus. Now, you know why it did Cause I was going to make my wife think well of me and to make the people that I went to church with think like, look at this guy, look wow. at him. He's going to go and do this. And I remember right before I went on that first trip, people are asking me, well, why are you going? It's like, I love these people. I love the Sudanese people. And, and then I was like, you know, I was having a little talk with God about all that. And he goes like, do you really, you like love those Sudanese people you've never met. And I got to the point where it's like, no, actually I don't. I don't know them. And I'm scared to freaking death of what my friends have experienced and what these people I'm seeing about on the news have experienced. And I'm scared to death to be going in there. And, and it got replaced. All of a sudden, it got replaced in the moment, Tracy. It was like, God said, I love you and I love them. And if you love me, then we'll go together and we're going to try to relieve some of the pain and suffering. And, and it's really, I want them to see what I'm like because I care that they're going through this. And... um I, I'm not asking you to, to manufacture a heart of love for them, you, but if you love me, let's go together. And, and that sort of started me off on a whole like series of, you know, years and years of our life doing that and going, and, and I found out to be exactly true because that first trip and then many after that, I remember being in refugee camps, standing on the back of blown up food trucks, handing out bags of rice and grain and whatever. And the people that are walking stick people starving to death, just like bones and, you know, naked. And they're angry at you. They're like, what? We've risked our whole life to get here and bring this and like under armed guards to bring you food. And these, and they're, and you're angry. Well, it's because they knew it was only going to be like two weeks supply. And how do I feed my baby after two weeks? And I remember going, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm not here for them. Say, you know what I mean? I was here that they would see what God was like. And, and I would be angry too if I was in that. And that's okay. They're not angry at me. They're just angry at the situation. And you know what they always would say? But at least you came. And the biggest thing was not the food and it wasn't the rations and it wasn't the medical care. You were the picture we needed to see. 
You came wearing more physical wealth and value on your body with your clothing and your watches and your cameras and stuff than we'll ever own collectively in my 50 years, 60 years of life, whatever they would live. I'll never own the cumulative amount of wealth that you're personally carrying around today. But you were valuable when you came. And, and so what happened was is, is we did more and more of that and our hearts began to change of what's really going on in the world and what's got up to. It started to leak into our everyday life back here in the States. And we realized that it wasn't about just programs. And I'm not anti going to church or anything. So please don't, any, and no one hear me say that. But it wasn't about all that. It was about, are we getting to know who God is and what he's like and his heart for people? And will we let him use us in those ways? Because that's what he created us for his glory, not our own, you know, his fame, not mine. And um, yeah, so I've seen, oh man, I've seen some crazy, hardcore stuff go down. And, uh, and I'm grateful to be home and, safe and and things that were broken or damaged healed up and you know uh but i started out going for the wrong reason and it looked like it looked a lot like jesus to a lot of people but i realized i was really going for the wrong it was i was going for my own glory ultimately and i think you know any given day i've probably most of what i do is still so that i'll look good and approved and lovable and valuable you know, there's another lesson there, Caesar, because uh, it's an adage, but it seems true and appropriate here. God hits straight licks with crooked sticks. So, like, what got you out of your comfort zone was selfish, but he got your heart where he wanted it to be, maybe? He sure did. He sure did. And that was the beginning of it. It really, it was a beginning of a huge change. And there again, you know, seeing the the Bible as a whole story and going like, oh my gosh, when I was just there with those people who also have faith in God and his son, Jesus, they're actually living out that same story. And I'm going home and helping put on shows, you know, and I'm coming for all the wrong reasons. And yeah, so God used it to get a hold of my heart and connect a whole lot of dots and said, you know what? And we started asking, do we get to live this way? Like everywhere? It's like, you get to. Mm. But you might not get the fame that you were looking for. And you might not get the level of income that you were making when you were running those businesses and, and all those things. Yeah. But I, but, but what a life. I mean, what a life that we get to live and that my wife and I and our kids have been blessed to live. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So Caesar, you, we're talking about you know, just this connection with God, our Father, and and this reboot in your life of how you see God differently. You talk about how it's kind of a process and a series of process and a series of moments. Is there a daily habit that helps you connect with God in an authentic way as our Father? Well, yeah, there is. And I kind of maybe like a lot of people, I kind of move in and out of them. And I don't always, <laughs> I don't always have the perfect track record of it all, but I used to journal more. I know you're, you're big into journaling and I, I, I kind of get into it and I get out of it. And I, I want to be the person who I wish I had a process where I go up, there's my process. So I, I kind of get in and get out of it. But, and this will sound a bit trite, but remembering the truth of who God is and what he has done in and out through human history and who he says we are as his kids, as his children, as his creation, I need to be reminded of that often. And so I, I need to be reminded of that from, from the word of God, from the Bible. 
And I know some people don't believe it's a true story or whatever. You take it how you want. There's there's so much information there. And, and there's 66 books. And you got to remember, there's all kinds of genres. So like read genre-specific stuff. If you want narrative, uh, the Bible's three-quarters narrative and historical and actual conversations and all. But there's a bunch of it that's not. But I need to be reminded of that stuff often. I used to read, I think, for quantity, check the box, you know, kind of thing. Now I read for relationships. So I'm looking for who is God and what's he up to in the world and what's he say is true of me and how I now get to live if I believe that's true. And I believe he's who he says he is and Jesus is who he says he was and he wants me to live the life I was created for. And so I, I need I need, I need, need daily t- a little bit of reminder. I need, I need to read a little bit of the word. And then it's also very good for me to write down the things that I feel are, are stressful for me right now. Like, what am I, where am I inclined to not believe the truth about either God or myself today? Like, what am I not believing? Like I said earlier, I think for me, the, my understanding of what discipleship is, Christian discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in every area about who God is and what he's done in, in this world and in through himself, his son, Jesus, and, and then what's true of us and how we get to live. Sometimes it's really good for me to write down like, and even with friends and do the same thing. And, that, and then the third thing is like community. Like the best thing that can happen for me is when someone says to me, not just how you doing, but like anything pushing on your heart, like anything you're tending to not want to believe or a lie that you're tending to believe about yourself today. Oh, that's big. Yeah. And just being asked that, and I'll say what it is, and in, in the saying, I know it's not true, but that helps. But then someone else saying, well, let me remind you of what's true. And I know your head knows this, Caesar, but let me remind your heart. And that's what I need. I, and that's why we need community. And I think it's why we see that Jesus hung out with people all the time. If, I think if it was just about information download, or it was just about the Word of God or a book, we'd have just had the book of God. It's always existed. There it is. <laughs> we have it. There it is. It's the book of God. And we have it. It's everything you need. And Or if it was just about a message Jesus was trying to get across, he could have just proclaimed it from the heavens, I guess, really loud. Like, oh, here's the truth. Oh, you know. <laughs> and we'd all, we ought to heard it. Like, did you hear that? I heard it. Yeah, we all heard it. Like, But instead, it's like he came, he hung out, he walked, he, he hung out with jacked up, broken people. And he showed him a, a different way to live. And then he said, like, and even, even all the stuff that you've done that you've chosen is weird and broken. I want to take that upon myself so you can be forgiven of that. And part of forgiveness is not only that your father forgives you, but you forgive you. And I forgive you. And you need to know that. And I need to be reminded of that stuff really regularly. So that, that happens for me from, from reading the book, but then also having people tell me, like, hey, but this is why it's true. And, and like, don't believe that lie about yourself right now. Or don't believe that lie about your spouse or your kids. And um, I need that. So we do need community. We need each other. There's no way, I don't think, to move from wherever we are to where we think we want to be or where God's calling us to be alone. I don't think we were created for it. I don't think we were created to live in isolation. Yeah. God himself is is a community. <laughs> he lives in community, right? Well, that's true. If you, believe in, if you believe in the Trinity, then God exists yeah. as a community. I never thought about that before. Yeah. You've mentioned several times through our conversation the importance of reading scripture chronologically. What's the best way to do that? It's a mind-blowing thing if you've never done it. <laughs> so there's a couple ways. There's a book out there that's just a version of the you know NIV Bible, very common translation of the Bible, NIV, and it's chronological, and it's by F. Lagarde Smith, and it's called The Chronological Narrated Bible, and you can find that on Amazon or whatever. Just look for that. The other thing is, though, if you say, well, but I already own a Bible and I don't know if I want to buy another one, um, just Google, seriously, chronological Bible reading plan. 
and it's not a mystery of when these books were all written. Like, for instance, what happens is, like, if your listeners are familiar with the book of Psalms, Psalms were written by a handful of people. Many of them were at least attributed to the writing of King David. And they're, they're songs, they're beautiful poems, and they're, they're unabashedly honest. So, like, when David is, like, being chased down by his own family and offspring trying to kill him and he's ticked off, he's crying out to God, like, kill them. Would you just kill them? <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, right away, that's going to help you understand, like, and God's not put off by that because God called David a man after his own heart. But guess what? If you read all the stories that are in First and Second Kings, which are a couple of books in the Bible in the Old Testament, and First and Second Samuel, where it kind of chronologically says, oh, here's like what happened during David's life and King Saul before him and his son after him. And here's what happened like as a history lesson. But then now you weave in the Psalms. So in other words, they're written kind of in there chronologically when they think they are actually written. And now when David's being chased down historically by these armies and he's writing, like he's just, he's like almost, you know, bipolar he's bouncing back and forth between like god kill them to like god you're amazing and i don't really deserve much but you give me so much more than i deserve and yeah this is better and you're my protection you're my rock you're my shield you know and so now you're reading these things in context and it's like whoa instead of they're all grouped together and they're putting a book called psalms that's a cool way to find them all but if you want to read them in context or like jump ahead to the new testament and when like, like i said the book of acts is being written and like here's the history of the church and a lot about this guy paul and it's written by luke and like here's here's what's going down well the rest of the epistles so like first and second corinthians ephesians philippians those are all just letters that, that were written well you can actually read them in context to what was going on when they were written instead of all grouped together that way. So that's why it's like, you know, either Google chronological Bible reading plan, or just if you want to buy one where it's all there, the uh, one by F. Lagarde Smith, it's chronological and it's narrated, which what, what he does is in like a different color. So, you know, it's like, hey, this isn't the Bible talk and this is me. He'll say, oh, by the way, historically on the planet in the world, this is what was going on at the time. And so when you're reading about this, no, this was also happening. And this is partly like a response to that because they just experienced this war or whatever. And then you keep reading. And so it's, it reads like, it's just like a page turner, like a novel <laughs> when you read it in order. Yeah, I've done that a couple of times. And it, it's hard for me to work through the Old Testament with all of the wars and, and God smiting people. And I just, it, I cringe. It's hard, you know? Yeah, well, I think... It, this is why, like, remember I said, like, one of the biggest things that's changed my understanding of who God is and what he's up to is, is hearing the Bible as one big story. And, and that's, you know, maybe it's another episode, but we teach in story primarily, and we teach the Bible. We call it the story of God. And um, it's all narr narratives, little short narr narratives that come right out of Scripture, and then dialogue. So we sit in community. We have wine. We have food. We sit in our homes, and we just go two or three-minute story, and then let's talk about it for a half hour, 45 minutes. And what emerges in that collective insight based on that, that narrative, it's life-changing. And uh, once you see the whole arc, I call it the redemptive arc from Genesis through Revelation, once you see that whole thing, then all of a sudden you can read the Old Testament through really different lenses, different eyes. Right. Like what, what was God up to all along? And why am I just like these people? And yet they keep getting wooed back and they keep being shown grace and favor. Yeah. You know, oh, that tells me something about my week <laughs> that I'm going through. It, it does. And, and you're right. It's a whole different episode. It just, but it brings out the importance of, of the cross and the blood and redemption. Yeah. None of that makes sense though, until you hear the whole it, story. Yeah. And that we 
don't we live like that today though caesar and we don't have to and so anyway you're right that's that's a whole other episode happy to come back and talk about the story yeah. you got <laughs> that is a good idea so let me ask you one quick thing before we we wrap up you, yeah. you talk about how you've journaled in the past and you want to do that again but right now more consistently yeah yes. i need what what's your number one stumbling block um uh, probably i'm lazy i think um i've probably been too either too ambitious in the past or like this is like a big process i need to follow or i had no process to follow i just you know i get a blank journal and i stare at it and i'm an author so staring at blank pages is sort of part of how i roll but when it comes to putting down my own stuff, I think I think I just needed a simple reproducible process. And I got plenty of people that were training and coaching and discipling in this life that I would love to pass on, that on to. I, I think that's been my biggest stumbling block. I'm either going for too big of a win or I don't have any plan. <laughs> so. so I'm going to put you on the spot here. We can, we can edit this out if you want to, but I'm going to challenge you. I, I'm going to send you a couple of ideas I'll put it in the show notes if you're okay with doing this challenge publicly and uh, try it for a week. If you get four out of seven days, uh, I'll put a Cubs profile on my Facebook page. If you do it for 30 days, you know, if you get half of 30 days out of one of these two challenges that I'm going to send you, I'll send you a Baron Fig notebook. A what? A Baron Fig notebook. They are awesome. I don't even know what that is. Oh, dude. I'll hook you up. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to send you a couple of ideas that I think are going to help you be more consistent in your journaling. It'll take you less than 10 minutes a day, and we'll see what we got. What do you think? Let's do it. I'll do it. Let's. Okay. Uh, I can't tell you the outcome just of that, but I, I love the challenge. And like I was saying, I need others in community, so I will receive that from you, sister, as something that, yep, I'm going to take this seriously and give it a shot, and uh, maybe could I be so presumptuous to say I might just record uh, a little audio of my journey for you and or um, my my win or my loss. Is that fair? I'll be honest about it. That would be awesome. I'd love that. Okay. So as we wrap up, I want to circle back to this whole notion of of boisterous venting and how we murder people with our, our words and how serious – that is, and and you know, you just talked about the importance of community and why we need other people. How do we begin to stop murdering other people with our words? It's a good question, and I think it's one that we can all begin to dive in right away. How do we get to live? Well, we we get to not murder everybody, <laughs> right? I think we can baseline agree, and I think what it's really called the word that's that's tied to is gossip. And gossip is one of those things that's so common in our relationships and in our conversations, in our cultural experience today online and the news or whatever, that we, we hardly even notice it anymore, that it's really bad and it's, it's destructive and it's weird. I, I would be just super grateful if I could offer uh, listeners of your show, um, I, because it's such a, it's such a problem. I created what I call the ultimate guide to stopping gossip <laughs> and it's free and it's seven reasons why gossip is poison. And it's, it's kind of gets to the thing behind the thing. It'll really help like move with your heart. And then it's a, a zillion reasons and how to stop it, like how to change the conversation, how to avoid it, how to change your heart in, in that all. So if people want that, you know, we definitely can give them that and they can get that, uh, 
that that free download, the ultimate guide to stopping gossip. I'd love them to get at you know get that if they'd like it. Put a put a link in the show notes. That's that's pretty amazing, and I think that we talk about the importance of the kingdom for eternity. But um, my friend Ed says life is meant to be enjoyed even when it must be endured, and I think life is much more endure more enjoyable when we're not bashing other people all the time. I know my attitude is better when I learned how damaging that was. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and that guide will help get the, the thing behind the thing. It's not, yeah, it's not like a little middle schooler thing. It'll, yeah, it'll help. Caesar, I'm so glad that uh, you've, you've crossed my life and that maybe in some tiny way, I'm part of team K from, uh, from Arkansas to Cali. Oh, there's Team K all over the world. That's the beautiful thing about it. And abs- in, in my mind, you are. And I'll know you believe it, Tracy, when you come and visit and you get to meet some of the rest of the team and you get to eat salami and eggs with us and some of the other. Yeah, um, that sounds good. Maze- so, <laughs> you know how I'll know when I'm part of the tribe? When I walk in on you and you say, out, thanks for coming by. I'll see you tomorrow busy. <laughs> That's the ultimate compliment. Well, my brother. you can always and you can fact check that on us. We we live very open, and you can come by anytime. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it, my brother. Thank you, Tracy. You're a gem, sister, and I really appreciate you. For the record, Caesar completed a 30 day gratitude challenge. He journaled at least 40 percent of those 30 days of the challenge. Now, I'm a Cardinals fan. Caesar is a Cubs fan, and I flew a Cubs Facebook banner through early 2019 to honor Caesar's commitment to grow his journaling habit. Spring training is upon us, so it had to come down. All right, so grab the ultimate guide to stopping gossip at the special link in our show notes, and the show notes for this episode are rebootspodcast.com forward slash episode three eight thanks my caesar you are an awesome dude and i'm glad you're part of my forever family i'm tracy wenchel we'll see you next time deo valente we hope this episode has helped you in some way if so we'd love to hear from you Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots Podcast. It's easy to share from our website, RebootsPodcast.com. The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell StoryWorks Incorporated, a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share, and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom. Already messed up straight out of the box. Fix your notes there. (laughs) I thought I did. Oh, my goodness.